Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Coronavirus Update. If you're in lockdown, just like me, don't worry. I've put together some of the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show into this daily podcast, so you won't miss any of the day's biggest coronavirus updates. Enjoy. And stay safe. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. First up, though, let's uh, talk, talk to the Business Secretary, Alok Sharma, who joins me right now. Good morning to you. Morning, Julia. Good morning. Um, big changes today in terms of people coming out of their homes, in terms of people who've been shielding, primary schools going back for three years. Um, a lot of virologists, a lot of experts, though, are saying this is happening too quickly, it's happening too soon, and it's happening before we've got Test and Trace completely up and running, the app we haven't seen uh, sight nor, or seen or, or heard of, uh, and uh, we haven't got the testing capacity right now. Why is the government going ahead with these changes to lockdown when you haven't got in place the things you promised would be in place before? four years lockdown? Uh, well, Julia, I'll, I'll come back to the points about what is in place. But what I would say to you is that the measures that we announced are very cautious. Uh, they are phased. Uh, they are modest. Uh, and uh, that's absolutely right and proper. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, we relax restrictions in a uh, very sort of phased uh, uh, manner. Uh, so, for instance, uh, today uh, you are seeing car showrooms can open. You're seeing that outdoor markets can open. In terms of other retail uh, that we have required to be closed, that will not open until the 15th of June. In terms of schools, again, only certain settings and primary schools are going back. So I think by any measure, what we're doing is really cautious and, and phased, and people understand that. Uh, now, in terms of uh, uh, you know, people are asking the question as to, well, why are you doing this now? The reason we are able to do this now is because actually people have made sacrifices. They have followed the guidelines over the past weeks, uh, and that is why we've been able to meet the five tests that we set out some time ago, uh, and also the R value is now below one. Uh, in terms of uh, testing, uh, we've got capacity at over 200,000 a day. And in fact, the test and trace system has been up and running since Thursday. Uh, we've got 25, uh, 25,000 people who are involved in that process, 6,000 of, 6, of those clinicians, and they're able in a day to uh, trace uh, the contacts of uh, 10,000 people. So the system is in place. We're doing this in a really cautious way because we understand this is a sensitive time. And the last thing any of us wants uh, is uh, for uh, the infection uh, rate to grow, uh, to have a second peak. 
that would absolutely dent public confidence and, of course, confidence in business as well. Okay. Look, look I, I think everybody, everybody will agree on that. We all want to come out of lockdown as soon as we can, and we all want to make sure we minimise death. However, you're coming out of lockdown at a time when, you know, when we went into lockdown, there were 700 confirmed cases uh, a day at the start. Today, there, you know, there are 2,000. Um, we haven't got test and trace up and running. 200,000 capacity is all very well, but that includes 40,000 antibody test capacity that haven't been carried out. People aren't always getting their results certainly not within 24 hours and even 48 hours uh, uh, sometimes. Um, the reason why other countries around Europe that have been able to come out of lockdown and, and reopen schools and like is because they've got their test and trace systems in place. We were promised mid-May an app, mid-May all those contract traces in place. Numerous people have had problems with that uh, since it started on, on Friday and there is still no app. Uh, we don't have in place the very measures that your government said would need to be in place before we is the lockdown. Well, Julia, uh, I mean, Tesla's Trace is up and running. It's been up and running since, since Thursday. Uh, I do understand that, that uh, there were some issues with logging in, but the system uh, you know, continued to operate. It is operating now. Uh, we will be setting out later on this week uh, the figures in terms of people, number of people being contacted and traced throughout that process. So that is up and running. And in terms of uh, uh, testing, I mean, I remember coming on your program some weeks ago, uh, and, uh, you know, we have come on leaps and bounds in terms of the, the, the testing regime. Uh, so, you you know, we've got 150,000 uh, 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 testing centers out there, including mobile testing. As you said, there are antibody tests as well. And anyone uh, who has symptoms uh, is able in England to go and get a test right now. So we do think that the measures we have uh, in place uh, are proportionate. Uh, the lifting that we're doing is proportionate. Uh, and, you know, it's been very clear from the Scientific Advisory Group on Emergencies, which is advising the government, uh, who have always said that we should do this in a cautious way. We are doing this in a cautious way. And they've also said that so long as people uh, show good compliance with the guidelines that are in place now and the test and trace system is up and running, which it is, then it is likely that the value will stay below one, which is what we all want. But numerous people who are involved in this test and trace who've been uh, who've been signed up to be tra uh, tracers, they they haven't been able to access training. They're saying they haven't been able to log on. Even Dido Harding, the woman in charge of the whole darn thing, says it won't be fully functioning until the end of this month. It was supposed to be in place, fully functioning, two weeks ago. I mean, it's not me saying it. I'm not an expert, but the people who are in charge of the darn thing say it's not up and running fully, and yet you want people to feel safe coming out of their homes, going back to work, sending their children back to school. You have to understand why a lot of people are very wary. No, look, I, I, I do understand uh, when it comes to, to children, for instance, that you know every parent wants to make sure their child is safe uh, in a school setting. And by the way, Julie, it's worth pointing out that 80% uh, you know, of schools have been opening uh, and operating, and I want to thank all the teachers uh, who have been supporting uh, vulnerable children, supporting the children of critical workers uh, throughout this whole period. Uh, but again, we've been very clear that uh, we need to make sure that schools are safe places to return to. That is why we've published guidance uh, where we've talked about the need for smaller uh, class sizes. We've said there need to be sort of staggered breaks, a staggered drop-off and pick-up, more cleaning, uh, more hand-washing. I mean, all of these measures are designed to make sure that we keep children safe and actually, as business secretary, if I can just say that, uh, you know, we have taken a very similar approach uh, to the workplace. So I have worked and my team has worked very closely with businesses, business representative organizations and trade unions to make sure that we have guidance in place for different work settings so that people can feel confident about coming back to work uh, and uh, they can be, be, be sure that actually they're coming back to a safe environment.
Okay, just finally, and I know you have to go, but uh, Alexandra, there has been an issue with self-employed last week. There, your colleague Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, announced that the the, the help for the self-employed was going to end in August, while for the employed it uh, goes all the way uh, to uh, to October. And more than three million people are ineligible for the self-employed help scheme uh, anyway, because they've run pub- limited companies and the like. Um, has there been enough help for those people who, frankly, got off their backside, set up businesses, created uh, uh, um, you know jobs for themselves and for others, uh, and and not and, and, and far less help for them than for people who are employees? Well, look, I mean, I, 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 if you look at the, all the measures that we've set out, I think it is pretty unprecedented, Julian, and by any international comparison is incredibly favourable. Uh, so, yes, you, you're talking about uh, the self-employment, uh, self-employed scheme. You're talking about the furlough scheme uh, where a, a generous tapering regime is now being introduced. Uh, you're talking about grants, you know, almost uh, 12, over £12 billion pounds of grants being made available to businesses. Uh, you're talking about loans, bounce-back loans, for instance, available for small businesses, uh, which uh, are now tune of around £18 billion pounds of loans that have been made available. So th- there is a lot of support uh, out there for people. Uh, but, you know, the chance has been, been very upfront about this, and I want to be very upfront, is that uh, we are not going to be able to uh, save every job and every business. What I, what I can tell you is that if we hadn't taken the measures that we have done, we would be in a far worse position. Uh, we've now preserved jobs so that when we have this bounce back uh, post the pandemic, businesses are able to come back. And that's precisely why we put in place uh, you know, the pretty generous measures that we have done. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. On DAB and on the Talk Radio app, Talk Radio. Baroness Nikki Morgan is a former Education Secretary and joins us right now. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. 
Good morning. Um, it's interesting, the headline of the BBC uh, uh, today is saying you know, parents are wary of sending their children back to school, but the polling seems to show half of parents are desperate to get their kids back to school uh, and half of parents are, are wary. <laughs> uh, should parents be wary? Would you be sending your kids back to school now if they were eligible for those years? Um, I would, uh, yes, but yeah, unfortunately not in the right year. Um, uh, I think, of course, parents are going to be uh, nervous and staff are going to be nervous as well. Um, school is obviously going to look a bit different. Uh, only three years going back primary years going back uh, today anyway uh, but I think it is the right thing I think it is the right thing to do and, and Alok Sharma was just saying of course um, there are you know schools I think 80% of schools across the country have already been open throughout this crisis in order to educate the children of key workers but I think it's very important particularly for children leaving primary school that the ability to say you know goodbye and to, to have a smooth transition to secondary which is going to be obviously a bit different anyway and then for the youngest pupils um, you know it's very important part of their education and for the most vulnerable and for those for whom actually they've not actually they've not had much education for various reasons over the last few months I think this is right it's, it's clearly going to take a bit of time in the sense that I think that as France showed uh, when they opened their schools you know parents will will uh, take a few days I think they'll they'll wait and see what happens and we'll see by the end of the week by next week I suspect that the numbers will, will be going up and this is it isn't it that there's an expectation that actually with only 15 children per class in, in these primary schools that the, the years that are eligible but actually it, it, it may well be that's all the number of children who turn up for any class uh, given uh, how many parents don't want to send their children back but as they see other families sending their children in um, there'll be lots of people in those, those parental WhatsApp groups that are the bane of every mother's life um, will uh, we'll no doubt be finding out that things are safe no, I mean the key thing is that it, it is it's pretty much the safest place for children to be is in a classroom but there is a concern about particularly young children you know five six year olds being able to socially distance um, and, and a lot of parents and teachers unions are saying we don't understand how, why these years have come back. Why not just the older years? What's the reasoning for that? Well, I think it's partly that it's, it's the years and, and we're going to see this a secondary as well. It's those years, uh, particularly obviously uh, year one, uh, who are going to have um, tests next year. Um, and, you know, reception, that, that transition from reception into year one, again, is, is important. Um, and, you know, it's the building blocks of education are formed right at the start in uh, that reception in that year, reception in that year one. Um, you know, that, that, that confidence in terms of, you know, reading and writing and, and, and everything else. Um, and also, I think it's very hard to homeschool those very youngest pupils. I think any parent who's been trying to do it, particularly they've been trying to work over the last few weeks, uh, will know that it, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult. Um, and I think in terms of social distancing, you know, what I'm hearing is that schools are being uh, very um, sort of inventive, if you like, about this. They're accepting that actually with very small groups, very small groups of children, um, they're probably not going to socially distance, but what they'll do is they'll create a bubble so those children will only mix with each other. Um, and there are instructions given to parents about dropping off and picking up. Um, and, you know, schools have really uh, been thinking about this a lot, I think probably almost since lockdown, as to how they would do it, depending on what the rules are. And I think it is right. This cautious, phased approach is right. But there are a lot of issues in terms of, you know, the government said this test and trace system would be in system. You know, you say in Germany or Denmark, you've been absolutely brilliant at this. One child gets ill, the whole school is tested uh, and, and closed if necessary. But we, we, we simply are not um, up to scratch, up to speed with any of that. But also schools haven't been given enough time to plan. I mean, as much as I tend to disagree with Mary Bowsted of the National Education Union on pretty much everything in life, uh, as she points <laughs> out, you know, the government has failed its own guidelines. They've not given a, 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 enough time for, for schools to plan. 
uh, talking to a trustee of a um, of a of a group of of uh, academy schools and saying that they you know the, the list of things that have to be checked and and you know checklisted off is is over five hundred in terms of what has to be done in schools. Um, they are perhaps you know and they and they've changed the rules you know dozens of times as well. They they've not made it easy for schools for the head teachers and the teachers who do want to come back, have they? Well, look, I think this is going to be, in a way, the uh, the, the new situation for, for all of us, whether you're talking about schools reopening or businesses reopening, um, having to do uh, uh, risk assessments, which um, actually, to be fair, I think certainly that the guidance that the, you know, the government's tried to do, the government's tried to, to put in place um, actually is trying to be um, as, as reasonable and practicable as possible. Uh, but it is right that, you know, we all have to think about uh, how we're going to manage social distancing and how we're going to make sure there's enough hand sanitizer and, and all that sort of thing, where children are going to eat, for example, how they're going to play at, at break time and everything else. Um, but I think it's also, I mean, th- this is our this is our new situation for all of us. Every time we we go out or, or we have, you know, somebody uh, who needs to, uh, deliver, needs to uh, deliver something or to come into our house or whatever it might be, we're all going to have to think now for months and months to come until we get a vaccine, which may or may not happen, actually, how are we going to keep ourselves safe? And it's that risk uh, weighing up that we're all going to have to do all the time and actually I think our schools and our teachers are brilliant at doing it anyway they they worry about the safety of their pupils each and every day this is a, a different kind of uh, risk and safety to to worry about um, but that's why I think going back in this phased approach is easy approach is, is is good okay. because it gives everyone a chance to test out the rules to see what works to see what doesn't and just finally briefly um do you think that we will need to see summer schools uh, opening for the most disadvantaged pupils the trouble of course being unless it's compulsory um you know the mm. teachers may refuse to to work them and uh, and of course the, the pupils who are most disadvantaged have probably got the parents who are least likely to send their children to those classes well, I mean, I think that many schools already do this, um, and many there are some fabulous education charities as well, education charities as well, who who will do this. So again, I'm sure they're thinking very hard. I think if it's possible to do, it will be great because I suspect there are some children really in need of of education and and support who have missed out over the last uh, few months. Uh, but again, I think probably the thing to do is to see what happens in the next few weeks as schools reopen, and then everyone can start to work out what we might need to do in terms of um, you know encouragement. You're right; there are going to be some some families for whom it's you know it's not priority but i think many many families will really welcome particularly given uh, there's no holiday summer holiday there's no holiday summer holidays for most of us um that actually the ability for children to be somewhere where they're being you know both educated but also you know looked after um would come i suspect as um something very welcome to many working parents across the uk online on dab and on your smart speaker talk radio 2.2 million people who've been shielded uh, have been advised not to leave their homes or have any contact with anyone outside their households uh, for the last 10 weeks. Uh, I can today, on government advice, uh, be allowed to meet with one other person, only outdoors, maintaining that two-metre distancing, and actually leave their homes. But many are saying that, actually, is it really safe for them to come out just at a time when other people are able to you know, send their children back to primary school uh, and, uh, and, and also more people obviously meeting up with other households in groups of up to six in England today? In Scotland, of course, it started on Friday, not yet in Wales. But Baroness Ros Altman joins us now. She's the former pensions minister. Good morning to you. Good morning.
morning, Julia. Good morning. Um, I've been very intrigued by how this has been couched as a sort of, you know, people may now leave their homes. Now, this was only ever advice, was it not? There was no legal requirement any greater on the 2.2 million shielded piece of people than on you and me who, who were taking, you know, obeying the lockdown rules. But they have been told that it is safe for them to now leave their homes and meet one other person outdoors, still maintaining social distancing. But is it wise for them to do that? Well, quite honestly, Julia, I think that people should be trusted to do what they think is right for them. They know the risks. I mean, everybody knows the sort of risks we're facing now. And government guidelines are one thing. But, you know, if somebody's shielding because they're not well, then they will make an informed decision for themselves as to what risk they take. If they're desperate to see family or friends, how can the government really think in a democracy that it is entitled to forbid them to do so? Yes. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? And certainly I, with my elderly relatives, uh, people you know, very early on saying, right, I'm absolutely going to be really careful. I'm going to shield over 70s and the like. And then feeling that life really was unbearable and was not worth living. Yes. And that actually the cost of taking zero risk was too great for their mental health and their, their general happiness. Um, and deciding that actually they would, you know, go out for walks and they would, um, uh, you know, go to the supermarket. And, and, and lots of the people I know who, who have been trying to shield themselves very carefully but they they are taking what they consider to be calculated risks with their health yeah. but 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 in something within their own control they felt exactly and you know I, I think we are in danger of straying into territory that democracies shouldn't normally be in where a government thinks that it is entitled to decide exactly how and when you leave your own home who you see and in what circumstances and you know i think what what the government is doing which is guidance is fine give people the information help them understand that there are risks tell them how to protect themselves but at the end of the day many people's mental well-being emotional well-being and even physical well-being often depends on being able to go out and about and feel that you are part of society. We don't all live in big homes. Many people yep. uh, are living in small flats. We, we, some of us are more gregarious than others. Some of us are living totally alone and need that uh, interaction with other people. What also I think has been difficult, Julia, is the government's guideline. Uh, that suggests everyone over age 70, regardless of their health, is somehow vulnerable or weak or frail. And that is something that I think is very dangerous too. We have to uh, give people information and recognise that regardless of your age, it's your health that makes the difference as to whether you will survive if you do catch this horrible virus but leave it to people to make their own judgments you know i'm hearing stories yeah. of um over 70s being denied the right to work and even turned away from their normal volunteering as if somehow they are pariahs in society or unable to uh, mix in the same way as everybody else even when they're fit and healthy uh, and many over 70s are, are fitter and healthier than younger 
people in their 40s yes. and 50s who have health conditions. And this, and this is it, isn't it? It's, there, there should be full information and people told, yeah. you know, here are the reasons why we believe you are at higher risk and why we believe, you know, you should be, uh, you know, as medics and the government advising on that medical advice that you should be shielding yourself. But then ultimately it should be a decision within the general lockdown rules. Obviously, everyone has to obey yeah, those exactly, um, exactly. For, for people to make those own decisions. But again, this is this idea, isn't it, that, that keeping people alive is the only thing. But but we, we know that keeping people alive with, with, a, with a quality of life is crucial. We know, I mean, only a year or two ago, we were talking an awful lot on the on, 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 on radio and, and, and the television about the, the, the cost of loneliness and how the, the lack of human contact and lack of human relationships actually kills old people. It, it is... Well, it is something that means people will live a shorter life. That's exactly how, how I see it as well, Julia. It's not just about keeping people alive because they didn't catch COVID. There are so many other things that people can die of due to being isolated, due to being in lockdown. If you are sitting at home all day, you're more likely to have a stroke. If, if you are sitting at home and immobile, you may find that you can't walk or, or in future you might be impaired or suicides will increase. There are so many ways in which lockdown is life-threatening to some people. I'm not saying to everybody. But even those who are aware that their mental well-being is slipping have been, uh, if you like, told they shouldn't go out when they might know that that is what they actually need. So, uh, you know, I think we're hearing 2.4 million cancer tests have been put off. Tens of thousands of people with cancer have not had their treatment. So it's not just a question of keeping people safe from COVID. We need to look at things in a broader perspective. And I think we, we, we should be aware that in a democracy, people take decisions that are risky every day when they go out. Yeah. People who cycle to work, they know that on a busy road, if they're cycling, there's a chance that they might have an accident or be killed. But they take that risk, calculated, uh, try to be careful, and do their utmost to keep themselves healthy. But yeah, at okay. the end of the day, you know, I think this idea that there are certain people that the government should require not to mix with others in society is a very dangerous one. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. Please don't forget to like, comment, and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 till 10. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.